Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. The Bleacher Blums podcast with uh, not a whole lot of content here. No, that, that might be the way to start it because the bleachers are open. It's another week of David Tuttle out there on the West Coast and myself, Jeff Blum, down here on the Third Coast. It has been an uneventful week. This is that one week during the during the year, to start the year, I guess, you know, where the NBA is kind of winding down. They're getting closer to their end of the season. I have yet to watch an NBA game as good as the Houston Rockets seem to be playing with their young talent. And then we've got that 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 in-between space in life where we're, the Pro Bowl means absolutely nothing. It is one of the more bizarre all-star type games, I think, in any of the sports that we watch. There will be eyes on it, but it turns into almost a, uh, what is it, uh, what was that thing we used to do as kids, uh, punt, pass, and kick? Yeah, it's like a showcase, a talent showcase. Yep, yeah, there punt, you go. pass, and kick. There you go. And I think you meant to say that the NBA season is just starting in the sense, right? Like, it's, it's winding well, I mean, down they're for starting Christmas, to figure out but who, Christmas, yeah. yeah, yeah, thank you. You get like yeah. two months until you start getting into that. The only yeah. thing we have really to look forward to is March Madness after the Super Bowl because Ooh. of the way that baseball is going, and that was just a subtle hint. Again, I can't say much about it. I'm going to let my boy Tuttle say something about it here in a little bit, but uh, – the only news we've really got going on is uh, th- there were some meetings. There's uh, some movement as far as the CBA is concerned, maybe. And uh, Tom Brady is retiring. I'm going to sit on the side of who cares, and Tuttle's going to convince me otherwise. We'll see if he can make a case for him. I think it should be pretty interesting. <laughs> and, uh, shoot, I don't know what else is going on. But, Tuttle, how about this? Do you, you know as well as I do, and everybody listening to this podcast, and anybody that knows anything about the state of Texas and the city of Houston, is it could get hot as, and we got to, I probably, I, well, we'll say all get out, but I was going to actually say we need to investigate where this term came from, hot as balls. Yeah. Because if you're a dude, you know what that means. But if you're a female, <laughs> you really have no idea. But uh, it, it gets hot as balls. It can get up to 108 down here in, in Houston. But guess what? Uh, today, outside outside this window to my right, if you're watching this on Short Hops on our YouTube channel, uh, Bleacher Blums, the wind chill factor currently, I believe, is at 12, 13. Wow. So uh, it, it's pretty frigid. My daughter's car is all iced up. My truck is mm. all iced up, and the tires are deflating because of you know the whole uh, mm. physics and fun stuff like that. That's but, science uh, that we know nothing about. Do we have to have yeah. Doctor Meredith Wills back on to explain <laughs> why your tires are deflated? Because yeah. that might be over my head. Speaking of Tom Brady, my tires are deflated. <laughs> Ooh, <Ba-dum-ba-dum>. hey. <laughs> <laughs> we're grasping uh, at straws right here at the beginning. Yeah, hey, I do want to. I do want to lay going. a. <laughs> I want to lay a shout out to uh, our uh, Just Geek It IT Solutions. Uh, I got I hadn't talked to. We haven't. We haven't given Jake a shout out in a long time, and uh, I got a message from Jake over the week saying, you know, that our our domain was coming up for expiration, and then our hosting thing, and all this. And I'm like, man, we haven't thought about that since what two years ago when we started this. And you I, put you know, Jake we had an autopilot. He's there. Good. We go. Yeah, and I think that's what you know, Jake. Hopefully, you feel a little bit of love. I mean, you're on autopilot. We care about you, but uh, yeah, he set us up again and sent me an invoice for a teeny little amount, which is uh, certainly not the amount that uh, of work that oh, he's put in. You know, it doesn't yeah. doesn't recoup all the work that he's done. But what a good dude he is, and uh, I wanted to make sure I gave uh, you know just Geek It Solutions the official host and the official IT partner of the Bleacher Blums podcast and uh I forgot to tell you that offline I was like man Jake's texting me and I'm like don't you know how early I get up he goes yeah I think your domain's gonna expire and I'm like oh yeah I was dreaming about that (laughs) not (laughs) so anyway so bleacherblums.com is up and running and you guys can as Jeff already mentioned get on YouTube and see our short hops uh that our producer puts up there if you want to look at our video feed it's a uh, short hops uh, on youtube bleacherblums.com you can reach out get some merchandise and connect with us just as well as you can personally at real david tuttle on twitter and instagram and at blummer 27 on twitter and instagram it's funny you mentioned 12 degrees i'm wearing a sweatshirt you're wearing a sweatshirt we're both indoors but uh you know it's a little windy and chilly here but uh nothing like a, a wind chill of 12 yeah, it's it's bizarre to me that you can have like a hundred degree change almost in yeah. one, in one place, but that's Texas. And hey. you know, it's going to be chilly down here for a while. But the uh, the ongoing joke and a lot of the memes on social media, they'll have you know, morning will be winter, 
you know, the afternoon will be a little bit of spring. The afternoon is summer, and then the the nighttime is fall and winter. So uh, <laughs> it's the one place where you can get all seasons in every uh, every waking moment in twenty four uh, hour cycles. Yeah. yeah, you know what's funny? We've talked about this before uh, in terms of being weathermen. I really don't pay attention to the weather anymore because. I live in Southern California. I mean, you're looking at 40 to 70 degrees, 40 to 80 degrees most days. But uh, I just remember the USA Today, and I, I, I know, mm-hmm. like I said, I repeat myself, but with the USA Today with the map on the back when I was playing A-ball in Macon and Savannah, Ooh. Georgia in late July, early August, and that was, that was you're talking about a wind chill, but that was the heat index, and it was like... It was 105 with humidity, but the heat index had it somewhere around 113 to 117. And we would flip that USA Today over, and it just had this beautiful color map. And we were in that dark red, like, you know, it's like I mean, burgundy. It's so hot. Oh, it was like, yeah, it was like this burgundy, like, yeah, like you said, it was like blood red. And we were like, oh, I guess that's where we are in the country. So, you know, it can get extreme, obviously, uh, in different parts around the country. I think you kind of nailed it with Houston. It's probably got the the highs are really high and the lows can be low, but you just, you're in that flat sunken area with no, it's like planes, right? Kind of like there's nothing mm-hmm. to protect you. Oh yeah. There's not, and it turns into a wind tunnel down here because everything's so flat. But, uh, speaking of highs and lows, we are into, Ooh. we're into February and I'm going to let you talk a little bit about the CBA while I just kind of try and skirt around the outside <laughs> yeet skirt and get around skirt. the outside <laughs> and uh and and just kind of mention you know you're reading some of these articles and if you're paying attention to the USA today if you're paying attention to uh the athletic and some of the other articles and websites that are out there you're starting to realize that there's the potential that we're getting so close to the report date cuz usually what what's funny about baseball and relationships off the field is that usually the, the reporting date for pitchers is right around Valentine so it's Valentine's Day dinner, and the next morning, a guy is on a plane getting out to spring training, especially if they're on a big league roster. But uh, just to clarify some of the things, that's usually the reporting date is right around February 14th, 15th, 16th. And I think that was some of the reported dates. And if you're reading some of the articles, you may be seeing that those dates may get pushed back because of the issue of the CBA not coming to an agreement. Um, Minor leagues are going to continue on the path that they are normally on. And it's this has an effect on guys who are on the 40-man roster and on the big league roster as far as the CBA is concerned. So if they are not on that, they are able to go down for early camps. Uh, they have some of those mini camps before the actual minor leagues start with the, some of the bigger prospects and guys like that. And they open up the facilities for guys who get there early to be able to work out before minor league camp. But uh, it looks like all things are pushed back, and this is where Jeff Blum, the Astro employee, checks out and just puts it right in the, the beautiful hands and lap of of David Tuttle. It's a it's a sl- uh, slow fastball right down the middle, or you know, uh, an yeah, easy put it on a tee and knock the piss out go. of it. As you know, they say. No, I don't I don't really have a lot to say about it. I do think, and this is probably something that we you could still touch on. I'll get into some particulars, but I mean, it's certainly. I, I, we've said this before, the 11th hour is coming <laughs> quickly, and yeah. we all thought as fans and certainly outsiders, some of us maybe have more intel than others, that this would be something that would be, you know, kind of March 1st was the time where we thought, all right, you know, so now we're already at February 4th, 5th when we're recording this, when this comes out, February 7th, 8th, um, where you're looking at, all right, they've got to be at the table and they've got to have some things done. Um, we did just to re- recap, like we thought a couple weeks ago with the um, intensity and the uh, fervor and the energy that the NFL created on the weekend, that that would push Major League Baseball to get at the table. The newest article I've read and the newest kind of information coming down is that now, similar to a divorce, which thankfully I haven't been through but uh, have seen from afar, uh, they're going the Major League Baseball is pushing to have a mediator come in, so not an arbitrator. Uh, and not a solutions expert, but a mediator who basically is going to draw a line down the middle and say, hey, you guys can have this and you can have that. The challenge there, um, based on this is something that they've done in the past as well, or they've tried to have, is that they really just kind of divvy up everything. They don't have, and I guess this could be a positive as well, 
they claim that they don't have any sort of skin in the game, right? There's no bias. And they're looking at it like, okay, we're just going to divvy these things up. The problem is, and I think from a player's perspective, we've talked about this and I don't expect a response from you, is that the players are really trying to change kind of the course of what we've seen over the years, even since Marvin Miller's been there, meaning we know that the the owners end up you know, having a bigger piece of the pie. Um, and then you touched on this last time, and this isn't, you know, throwing you under the bus either, but this is, the players just want to play. I mean, and I, I can speak as a former player, just, I mean, that's all they want to do. And so I do think they lose some leverage there, but um, the nuts and bolts of it is put bringing in a mediator at this stage. We talked about March 1st being a deadline is the mediator is going to need some time to kind of figure out what this is, get the lay of the land, figure all this out. And so I think as a skeptic, which, you know, Dr. Meredith Wills turned me into a little conspiracy theorist skeptic <laughs> that I may not have been in the in my past life as a skeptic, it looks like a little bit of a, um, uh, a delay tactic, right? Like we can't sit down at the table till the mediator's done with their process. I see you smiling there and I appreciate you not, um, you know, interjecting anything as the uh, Houston Astros employee. But but again, I'm just laying out there what what is kind of common to, uh, you know, what the media and the public and everybody kind of looks from afar is seeing and saying. And I would say that they look at this like a somewhat of a delay tactic so that when the mediator decides this is how we're going to divvy it up, maybe the Players Association and Major League Baseball come together at that point. But that's not going to happen tomorrow or the next day. That's going to be in a month from now. And now we're looking at, as you said, and this is what the fans care about, and this is what we care about, and this will get you back into the conversation. You know, I I feel like the old Bad News Bears movie, you know, at the Astrodome, like, <laughs> You know, William Devane standing on the field, let them play, let them play. And they get everybody up Bob and it's Watson, like, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, that's all this is, is let them play. I mean, that's all we care about. We want to go to the games. We want to have a, you know, a, uh, a St. Arnold pop at the game. And, you know, you obviously want to get back to work and, you know, it's interesting, um, and before I bring you back in, I mean, we I went through this in 1994 in spring training with the Reds and as a minor leaguer who was not on the 40 man roster at that point. And there were some guys that ended up getting on the 40-man roster after that year, um, guys that we know, C.J. Nikowski, Aaron Boone. Um, and we're all on the minor league side, and we're there you know, having regular spring training, and there's really nothing going on. You go home every day, and you know, the big leaguers aren't there. They're not doing anything. And you're being encouraged to be there and train hard and maybe even, um, you know, depending on how long it stands uh, to go, like, hey, why don't you guys come over and – we're going to let some fans in the stadium and you guys can play a game on the big league field in the big league uniforms, you know, and, uh, you know, a little enticing for guys that, you know, have dreamed about playing on a major league field their whole lives. But uh, obviously this is, you know, history repeats itself and this looks very similar, I guess, and I can just leave it at that. So mm -hmm. I hope they get this worked out. Um, you can speak to the fandom thing, right? Like, I mean, what are the fans in Houston saying and what is, I mean, don't we just want baseball to start on time this year? Yeah, considering what's happened over the last couple of years, you had 2020 with the COVID, and that now you're watching the NFL with full stadiums, you're watching the NBA move through with their season, and you're starting to deflect a lot of attention. We're, like I just said earlier, we're about to watch March Madness here coming up at the, you know when February ends, and we're going to start to see full arenas and enthusiasm for another sport, and I think that should encourage you know, Major League Baseball, because that was some of the best times as a major leaguer uh, was going through spring training and watching March Madness, filling out the brackets, getting some of that camaraderie and some of that uh, trash talking going leading into the season. And then as soon as the madness was over, poof, you're starting your season and you start to take all of the uh, national attention as you start a Major League Baseball season. And I think that's where their focus needs to be is on what could be. And, you know, instead of looking back and going, look at how, you know, players saying, oh, we've been hosed for the last 15 years. I don't think that's an appropriate way to go because you're never going to recoup what you lost previously. Right. I think it's the idea of, of, of what you could have and moving forward. I think that, uh, you know, the players need to understand this is a gradual ebb. It's not a, it's not a full blown tidal wave to get what you want. But if you start pushing in the right direction, maybe massaging some of these issues and getting in the right direction, you'll be all right. And, uh, you know, they, I think the owners need to understand, you know, that uh, the game needs to be on the field, especially after 2020. They realize the revenue lost. And I think that's where maybe there's a lot of fear in some organizations on what are they, you know, what, what are they willing to lose to, to continue this fight to keep things the way they want it. Yeah. Um, but, 
you know, as a fan, you just sit back and you're like, dude, fig- how hard could it be to figure out? Because if, if you and I, Tuttle, sat down with, with our producer, Mark Ramos, and said, okay, we're making X amount of dollars. How do we make this work and make each other happy? I think we'd be able to iron it out. Yeah. Granted, it's not billions of dollars, but we, we we're able yeah. to come to an agreement because we're pushing in the right direction. Right. You know, we both understand that we 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 like the product of Bleacher Blums, and we want to continue it and give it to the fans. Right. So, you know, we'll see the the mediator. There's a couple of questions I think you need to ask yourself. Why did owners ask for a mediator? You know, yeah. are the yeah. and are the players going to agree to that? Are they going to say, yeah, let's do it, or are they going to say, no, let's just continue to negotiate? So, I think those are right. some of the questions that might be. Ooh. might be out there in the wind right now that uh, maybe we can't get too specific on. Right. You can't get specific, but that was the other little piece that I wrote down in my notes was the, that, that so it, if they agree to the mediator, there's a delay, obviously, in the negotiation structure. Yeah, you're um, right. I, I they, believe. Yeah, you're right about that. Right. Yeah. If but if they don't, if they don't agree to the mediator, then Major League Baseball looks like, hey, you know, we were coming to the table. We were going to add the mediator. That's the skeptic in me. That's what I was saying. And it's so, all the perceptions. And yeah. That. Right. So you're you're. I know you're not allowed to speak to it, but you're right. Those are the questions that are floating. And the bottom line is, like I said, these are. These end up coming to I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. In any negotiation, if we go back to divorce or if we talk about the bleacher blums or if you bought real estate with your neighbor and you like your neighbor and you're like, hey, we like this real estate over here. I always go back to the old simple math equation. It's like you can get a hundred percent of nothing. <laughs> or right, you can get a hundred percent of nothing. Like there's like no revenue. Smells. There's nothing. Yeah, right. Nothing like it. <laughs> God, a hundred percent of nothing. That sounds pretty good. I get a hundred percent of that. Um, but, but, or you can come to the table, like you said, and like try and iron this stuff out. And I think it's just so, um, it's so transparent and it just seems to happen all the time. I I said this earlier on the podcast, uh, maybe, you know, when, when the whole thing, when the off season started is that, you know, this will come down to the 11th hour. So let's just keep our fingers crossed. Hope that April 1st, um, you know, I know that's two months away, but April 1st, we've made some headway and then we're, uh, you know. We're we're kind of getting there, and maybe the media doesn't know everything. I mean, maybe Tony Clark and and Manfred behind closed doors are having conversations about when you know when this thing can get resolved. I mean, that's wishful thinking, I realize, but uh, anyway, I, I don't know. So enough said about that. We don't want to have to draw Blummer out. Um, we do have the <laughs> Super Bowl in two weeks. Um, I don't know if we touched on this last time. The uh, week seventeen with the extra buys in there has now put oh. the, uh, the Super Bowl on a. Valentine's Day weekend, essentially, <laughs> which um, I sent you guys a text this week, and that's an oldie but goodie, that joke. But it's like, yeah, the guy didn't realize his wedding is going to be on Super Bowl Sunday. So if you want to Dude, uh, show up at that. Yeah, if you want to show up at the church and <laughs> take yeah, his place, joke, like he's man, going to the game. Hell. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But uh, so uh, I know you have some travel plans coming up for Valentine's Day, but uh, what are you going to end up watching the Super Bowl? And then let's talk about the participants, because I think I was hoping it would be Niners Chiefs. But I think my prediction was take the Bengals plus the points, but that the Chiefs would go to the Super Bowl. And then I thought the Rams would go to the Super Bowl. So I think not like I was way out on a limb, but I think many people thought it'd be a (laughs) Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl. (laughs) And uh, oh, yeah. so, the, yeah, so the Bengals are the outlier. But what what do you think about the uh, the product that they're going to put on the field? Because, like you said, everyone's going to watch anyway. So, yeah. And first of all, showing my my novice idea of the NFL, I did make you know the first weekend of February has always been the Super Bowl, and like Tuttle said, they added that extra game, an extra week. There's a buy in there, so all of a sudden it gets pushed back a week. And guess what? The second weekend of February ends up being the Super Bowl. And, you know, a while back, charity, friends, we've all went in, bought a place, and we are going on vacation. So there's going to be three couples in this one house. And, you know, the idea was play some golf, send the women off to the spa. And then all of a sudden, now it's turned into Sunday's actually going to be a Super Bowl party <laughs> between all six of us. And yeah. uh, it's going to be, hey, babe, here, here's a chocolate heart. And well, I'll be over here watching the football game if you don't mind. So, uh, But it's kind of disappointing because we've actually created a little bit of a Super Bowl party here in Houston. And everybody's texting me and I'm going, um, dude, we're not going to be here. And they're like, what? So it's kind of funny how that's worked out. But uh, Valentine's Day is the day after the Super Bowl. But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch it, and I'm excited. And I know that we put our, you know, our buddy Mark Ramos actually 
produced a couple of snippets that we were able to put out on Instagram and show some of our picks. And, you know, our betting line with the, the Bengals and Chiefs was right, but the overall bet of myself going with the Chiefs was completely wrong, and I was thoroughly shocked. And the idea of Super Joe or or whoever you want to call him, uh, Joe Burrow, th- is this guy for real? And a lo- it's kind of funny to watch him, you know, kind of beat Mahomes. And I mean, there's a whole peripheral with the family. Everybody was stoked about his family getting knocked out, which I, I didn't know what was going on. I had no idea what was going on with that with his wife and his brother. But I was more enthralled with the fact that you know, Joe Burrow, after knee surgery and all the hype that he got when he was at LSU, has all of a sudden become this guy. And with the retirement of Tom Brady, which we'll get into in a little bit, has kind of put Joe Burrow in the position of being, hey, this could be the next guy. And there's several quarterbacks throughout the, the NFL that uh, are going to kind of take the, the you know, take the, the uh, torch. The mantle, yeah. Yeah, and move on. And this might be a golden opportunity for Joe Burrow just to throw the entire world upside down and win a Super Bowl. I don't know if they have the ability to do that, but were you shocked to see what he was able to do? And what are your thoughts on Joe Burrow? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think it's funny because we will touch – talk about Tom Brady and maybe the chip he had on his shoulder for being, you know, whatever the one, I mean, I know because we all know the 199th pick, but Matt Stafford was picked uh, number one, one <laughs> first pick overall. Uh, Joe Burrow, one, one picked first pick overall, right? You have your uh, Trevor Lawrence, one, one, like, I mean, there are some guys that don't have necessarily, I shouldn't say he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder, but they have been the, they've been predicted to be successful. Now, not everybody, you know, works that way. Um, but I think he's certainly fulfilling his promise at this point. And I've said this before. I mean, there's so much to a team sport. I mean, yes, you need the right guy pulling the trigger and you need the right guy kind of leading you, but football especially is a team sport. And I just think they have, you know, Jamar Chase and they have, um, Uzama at tight end and they have, um, you know, their, their defense actually played really well, but Joe Mixon was playing well. I mean, they have four guys, I think, under the age of 26 that are at the superior premier positions, superior premier, mm-hmm. I don't know, same thing, but premier positions. So if they can continue to build the line play, right, good offensive line, which, you know, they give <laughs> they nine that, sacks yeah. <laughs> to Tennessee, they better not be drafting a wide receiver in the top 10 <laughs> picks next year. Uh, I, they probably don't have any top 10 picks, but and that's the uh, benefit of making the Super Bowl. But I, I I like Joe Burrow. I like his confidence. I like his ability. I mean, you can win a game with being sacked nine times, and then you can go into you know Arrowhead and win a game. You know, your second year in the league, or you know, I just I, I don't yeah. I don't think there's anything not to like. But I do think it ha- comes down to team. I mean, Matt Stafford was always an excellent quarterback in Detroit. But Great guess point. what? It was him, him and Calvin Johnson, and that was it. And so when you don't have the other support in terms of the general manager getting all the players in place and all of that, I think it's always a bigger picture. So I, I don't know if we can give Joe Burrow all the credit, mm-hmm. but he certainly is somebody to rally around and rally behind. And, uh, and you know, I think the, he'll be around for years to come. And I think you already mentioned the fact that Tom Brady and – uh, has retired and Aaron Rodgers is probably in maybe the last two years of his career, depending on where he goes. And we mm-hmm. saw Peyton Manning retire a couple of years ago. I mean, there's going to be a new wave of guys that, you know, are pulling the trigger. And I do think from a Niners perspective, because you brought that up, when they asked them, all right, the Niners lost, uh, what do they need in the offseason? What they need is exactly what the Bengals have. And so when you talk about Joe Burrow, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I I personally think Garoppolo is a great quarterback. He's fine for me. He didn't make mm-hmm. any mistakes in that game. Somebody's like, well, that last interception, I'm like, he hit his guy in the hand. It was going to be fourth and 80 anyway. Like, he was just trying to make a play. But the whole game, mm-hmm. he managed the game really well. That was the Rams who bought Von Miller, and they got Aaron Donald, and they've got um, you Dude. know, the cornerback, the lockdown corner. I mean, they they basically said, you are not going to run out the clock when it's yeah. – Yeah, Jalen Ramsey, look at you. You know, they you're not gonna run the ball. They know and going to the fourth quarter, 17-7, all the Niners want to do is run the clock and run the ball. And the and the Rams willed themselves into a win. But back to your question about the Burrow situation, he's got all his position players. The Niners need a guy like that. They would need like a Jamar Chase and a you know, one other guy to make them a, mm-hmm. a complete team. And I think the Bengals already have that. And I think in Joe Burrow, 
they have uh, the makings of a team that can be a dynasty. But we don't want to put that on the mantle, and I'll throw this back to you because I remember when Pat Mahomes won the Super Bowl in his second year. He sat the bench the first year. The next year he comes in, and he's a world beater, and they win the Super Bowl. Some Chiefs fans were like, all right, he's going to be the next Tom Brady. And then the next year he goes back to the Super Bowl. They didn't win it. But he was back mm-hmm. there, and then this year they expected him to get back there, and now you're looking at, well, gosh, Mahomes could have three Super Bowls in four years. Well, guess what? He has one, and now we're already talking about Joe Burrow. So, you know, the cart before the horse is not, you know, yeah. it's going to be hard to say who's going to be the next guy, right? And I don't know if there will ever be another Brady, and maybe that's a transition. <sighs> but what do you think the difference between Burrow and Mahomes? Because Burrow's on the upt- uptick. But is Mahomes, I mean, he hasn't reached his peak. Is that just a team thing? But how do you compare the two of them? Quick quick thought on Mahomes. I think it's great. This is going to sound really weird because, mm-hmm. like you said, when you have that early success, you, you're you always trying for the to look for that challenge, something to overcome, something to continue to beat. And when you're already on the top and you're saying, I'm just trying to push everybody down, sometimes you get lost and complacent. I'm not saying that's what happened to the Chiefs, but I feel like after they beat the Bills in 13 seconds to end that game and tied it up and won in overtime, they were kind of like, oh, it's destiny. It's We just have to show up and, and win. And I think the Bengals showed them that they you, showing up is half the battle. You have to go out there and play the game because the Bengals showed a lot of heart they made some big plays on defense late. Uh, Joe Burrow's a freak just because, like you said, not getting sacked nine times in some of these games and still bouncing back. You can't do that your whole career. So it's good he's young and he's able to do that. For for me, for Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, I almost said Royals, uh, you know, it, it's, it's the idea. The yeah, it completely is. But you get knocked down. Now they have something to overcome. Now they have something to look forward to or look to adjust and look to get better because now they now they feel like everybody's against them and they're the underdog. Now they have something to kind of work on in the offseason. So hopefully that does light a little bit of a spark under Mahomes, Kelsey, and some of these guys to go out there and be a little bit better. I know it's gonna it's gonna make Andy Reid and the Chiefs kind of evaluate their their uh roster maybe a little bit differently and see what they can do to get back into the Super Bowl. But they're still a pretty successful club. It took a really good game from the Bengals to go out there and beat them. But I really love the fact that Joe Burrow went out there, you know, the cigar smoking, the, you know, the the turtleneck and the chain and the way he dresses and the way he presents himself and brings it in. He's a bit of a character. And I kind of like that, you know, that moxie, that that swagger about him that he kind of comes in and goes, I know that, you know, the spotlight's on me. You know, when the Cincinnati Bengals come in, now you're starting to look at Jamar Chase a little bit. Uh, and you're looking at some of their other guys. Uh, who is it? Hutchinson on their defensive line that's had oh, a yeah. great year. Yeah. But when the Bengals come to town from day one, when Joe Burrow was wearing the tiger stripes, who were you looking at? You were looking at Joe Burrow, and he's really kind of embraced that guy of being that gunslinger and that the guy that steps out in front and and says, this is who we are. We're coming at you. We don't give a crap who's on the other side, and we're going to play hard. And I think, you know, they have another young coach that has done a very good job of motivating. And I apologize for not knowing his name right now. I think uh, Zach, what, Nick Taylor. Taylor, Zach Taylor. Yep. Uh, you know, it has done a very good job of motivating these guys. I like his demeanor. I like that. Uh, I don't. We talked a while back. You did about watching the Minnesota Gophers college football team hand the football to the ref and kind of you know creating this culture. Did you notice how many times the Bengals, if they got smoked by one of the Chiefs, they went over and picked up the Chief. They were always picking guys up off the field. I don't know why that caught my eye, yeah. but even Joe Burrow, who you know ran into some traffic, gets smoked. He he picked up the chief, or he picked up his own player. I think there's something to that, and I really like the way that the Bengals go out there because they understand that maybe they don't have the talent, but never underestimate getting 53 guys on the same page, pushing that rock in the same direction. That they're going to go out there and try and shock some people. So. Uh, I think that's where Joe Burrow's mystique kind of comes in because he is that kind of, even though he is a 1-1, he still plays like an underdog, and it has yeah. to be because he's wearing those stripes on his helmet. Yeah, I think, that, I mean, that's that's a really good insight. I, I forgot about the, uh, I mean, I, I don't know about the Chiefs wanting to be the underdog. I mean, we talk to our kids about this all the time, and you know playing sports your entire life. I mean, you sometimes play down to the uh, – the level yeah. of your competition, you know, you don't always get up for every game. And I think being able to keep the chip on your shoulder, uh, we alluded to Tom Brady consistently having a chip on his shoulder. Joe Burrow plays like he has a chip on his shoulder. So all that being said about the fantastic Bengals and how they're playing and the talent at all those positions, 
how do they match up with the Rams and do the Rams just have too much with the experience and everything else? Because I really thought when the Niners yeah. went up 17-7, I always find a way to bring the San Francisco 49ers into every comment um, during the playoffs. <laughs> but uh, I guess I'm a, 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 a little bit cut of a homer. Cut the cord. Yeah, but it, well, yeah, cut the cord. When it was 17-7, I really thought the Rams were in trouble and I thought the game was going exactly the way the Niners wanted it to go. Rams have got something going, dude. They do, and man, find number ten. Like I know it sounds silly, but it's like Ortiz in the playoffs. You know, we already talked about him last Ortiz, week, but you start, Kelsey, yeah, it's dude, like you're right. It's like you know Ortiz is going to hit a home run, so why are you pitching to him in a situation? I mean, I know, but you have to, right? Base is loaded. But he's always second. on deck. He's always like the yeah. next hitter. And so it's and almost Cooper like is really always somehow yeah, freaking open, Cooper, man. That's right. It's like. <laughs> Did Cooper Cup just make the game 17-14 and he has two touchdowns? Like, which guy, you know, but of course it is the NFL. You don't cover somebody else. Um, but anyway, so so what what say you about the Rams' firepower, their experience? The, you know how that is when the Yankees every year, the Red Sox every year with their payroll, they go out, they go get a Vaughn Miller and they leverage some things. They get a Matt Stafford in a trade and they get rid of Jared oh, Goff. I mean, it's kind of like they got to win it all or it's not worth it. Um, I, you know, I'm and, with you. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what what do you think? What do you think about the Super Bowl matchup uh, overall? I mean, do you think the Rams just have it not have it in the bag? That's we know that sports don't work like that, but I so I would it's a home game. This is the second time in NFL history that the 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 home there's going to be a home team in their stadium playing for the Super Bowl. Last year it was Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. This year it is Matthew Sw- uh, Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams, which I find I found I was I found fascinating until last week because when I saw as many 49er fans that showed up in that stadium, I was shocked. I was like, man, dude, there is a lot of red in the stadium. So I'm kind of curious how that's going to be in the, in the, in SoFi stadium on the Super Bowl, because you've got a team who never hasn't, hasn't been to the Super Bowl in 30 years. And you're going to have these fans in Cincinnati who are just going to mortgage their houses to go out there and play in or watch their team play in the Super Bowl. Uh, but that being said, I think the Rams have got to be the favorite, and they are, according to some of the websites, by four and a half points. I think the over-unders at 48 and a half, that, could, that number could right. probably explode uh, if, the, if these quarterbacks get hot and they start to find some weaknesses. But I, I'm fascinated. I told you on the last podcast, if you want to go back and listen to it, that Matthew Stafford is a fascinating pick to me because uh, he's a he's a one one. Got traded for a one one in Jared Goff. Now Jared Goff is you know in purgatory in Detroit, winning one game a season while he's watching his ex team go back to the Super Bowl with a. I mean, I know that Goff is a Cal guy, but Stafford's a better quarterback, and they have better weapons around him. Yeah. You know, Cooper Cup, dude, I don't know if this guy puts on an invisible cloak and just finds the seams. It's, it's amazing how these guys can – I would love to be in a huddle and just listen to these guys because you hear Kelsey say it sometimes where he goes to Mahomes and goes, hey, I'm, I've got the seam. Look at me. And they don't yeah. even run a route. They just run to no. a spot and hit him with a dart, and Cooper Cup takes off because he's – he's. Uh, I mean, he's kind of a grinder even as, as good as he is. He still, you know, fights for extra yards. When did OBJ become a possession guy? That's what's mind-blowing to me. I always thought this guy was like, you know, fleet of foot, fancy, one-handed catches, get to the opening, go deep, big plays. And now he's like running underneath routes in the middle and catching them and sitting down for first downs. And I love it. He's kind of found his niche. And I think that there's a certain comfort for Stafford knowing if Cooper isn't open, you're going to be able to find OBJ, catch it, take the hit, and go down. But, uh, you know, Higby, I think, is he got hurt. I'm not sure if he's going to be available. Uh, So there's going to be some other guys stepping up in that tight end. A sprained MCL, which looked, you know, they were limping him off the field. They, that might be yeah, a, they've, they've a got slight shots tear. For that. Good. <laughs> yeah, Come they on, do. Man. Can I get some Tordal? Yeah, dude, seriously. You know, let me jump in real quick because, I mean, the Rams are stacked. I forgot about OBJ. But I do think about – I was trying to explain it. My daughter's playing flag football, so r- really bring it back home. But – uh I, you know, like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And if you think about, you know, they always say the receiver has the advantage. You know, obviously if it's zone yeah. or man Because you know man, where you're going. Because you know where you're going. And so I do think, I was always, I was telling my daughter, she's been playing quarterback, but when you run a route, run it like you're going to get the ball. And I think they made that yeah. point when Cooper Cup caught that ball to get them into the Super Bowl for the playoffs. They threw that long ball with no time left to beat Tampa Bay. And they were saying that's a route where it's a clear out route and he always throws to the underneath guy. 
But Tampa Bay had a little confusion on their defense, and Cooper Cup, to his point, and you already brought this up, what a grinder he is. He ran the route like he was going to get the ball, and there, sure enough, he looked up, and there was the ball. And, you know, they've run this route 100 times, and 99 times they've never thrown the ball there. Um, And I think it's a testament to quarterback and receiver, you mentioned Kelsey, to say, look, I don't know if I'm open, but if you throw the ball in the right spot, I will fight for it. Like, I know where I'm going, right? I'm running the out. I'm going to run a 10-yard out. If the ball's there, I'll catch it. And they build these relationships where it is funny because we were were bringing up baseball because you can pitch around a guy in certain situations. But, you know, I would take my chances with a great quarterback and a great receiver to say, look, it doesn't matter. Don't throw the ball over there. Throw it over here. And then once that happens enough – they do have to shade the coverage, and that's when, like you said, that's when you look at OBJ. So all the stuff on paper looks like the Rams have the advantage in terms of talent and grinders, and like you said, Cooper Cup's always open, um, but Jamar Chase is always open too. So we're it's going to be – That's amazing. And yeah. his hands have gotten a lot better. Yeah. So I, I just I, – I, I, I actually don't have a good feel for it, four and a half. I mean, it's like I, – and I don't ever predict like high-scoring Super Bowls. You know, we did that that one year, the Patriots Rams, when the Rams got there with the high flying offense and Belichick it was like three nothing or six nothing into the third quarter. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think Joe the moment will be too big for Joe Burrow. I don't think it'll be too big for the uh, Rams, but they may feel each other out a little bit. So uh, that that's the one part I don't have a good handle on. And I guess if you did, then you know you could throw money down like uh, Mattress Mac. <laughs> yeah, Mattress Mac can get after it. We're gonna take a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get back with our predictions. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, we appreciate the sponsors when we appreciate everybody getting through those two and sticking with us. And right now, we are going to get into those predictions. I think Tuttle's right. I think it's going to be... I feel like it's going to be a closer game. I, the, the four and a half points is sketchy for me. I don't know if they did that on purpose. I mean, obviously they did it on purpose because I can't pick either way. I mean, four and a half is just over that field goal range, and you're like, but they got to get a touchdown to be, you know. So it's kind of, it, it's odd to me. It's either two two field goals or a touchdown is the separation. So I, I just can't. I mean, I think I'm just going to pick a winner, and I'm going to go. I'm man. I'm going. I'm going to go underdog. I'm going to go Joe Burrow. I mean, I don't know if it's my anti-LA or whatever is going on with me or if it's the underdog, but uh, I just think that there's something about the Cincinnati Bengals and this moment in football where parity is set in and we, the retirement of Tom Brady that it is an opening for Joe Burrow to make a statement in the league. And I'm going to jump on the Deep South LSU Tiger and now current Bengal Joe Burrow to win the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think it's going to be a close game. And I'm I'm, I'm jumping on the Joe Burrow train. He's cute. Yeah, he is cute, especially when he wears those <laughs> spectacles from that reality TV star. You know, Blummer, you threw me a curveball there. Huh. Baseball analogy on a baseball I threw myself, podcast. You know, during the literally during the break, I was going, okay, it's going to be Rams, Matthew yeah. Stafford. I've been on their jock yeah. in the you know the entire season, but I, I I've shifted to a Joe Burrow fan. Nice, and I I would say a couple of things. One is I, I, I you shocked me there. If I'm an LA fan, I'm an LA Chargers fan, San Diego, and I know you're there too. But if I want to go yep, to SoFi right. Stadium, I want to see my man Justin Herbert throw the ball around. Um, you said two things earlier. One is the home field advantage. You know, the Bay Area has tons of money, Silicon Valley. Uh, the Niners get a bad rap for being uh, – see, I brought the Niners into this conversation again. Um amazing. The, the Niners get a bad rap for – it's not for, a drinking game. We'd all be smashed <laughs> Seriously. <right now. laughs> the Niners get a bad rap for being a wine and cheese crowd. But, man, you saw them bring it down to uh, yeah. SoFi last week. 
I mean, the Bengals fans are going to be rabid. We know the Super Bowl tends to be pretty corporate. I don't think. Yeah, it does. I my personal feeling, living you know in Orange County near LA, you know, Lakers games are kind of take it or leave it. Sunday day game when Jack Nicholson's there and the stars are out. The playoff games, that's where they go. But there's so much to do here. It doesn't mean the Super mm-hmm. Bowl won't be packed, but I don't think it's going to be 90% LA Rams fans. I think it's going to be a lot of people I that want to go yeah. to the game. So I don't think home field advantage really plays a big part, just like um, the opposite of last year, Tampa Bay. I have a feeling that, you know, being that home field advantage actually did play a part. So yeah. I think that goes out the window. Um, but it really comes down to, you know, I, I was just thinking like you, the Rams the whole time, but now you get the Bengals plus four and a half, and I don't want to get bet against Joe Burrow. I mean, he was down 21 to three to the Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. Um, he won the national championship. They went 12 and 0 or 13 and 0. This year, they, they, you know, they lost, they won a big game at Green Bay, and then they lost a couple games, and everybody was saying, well, they're not the team. And their last five or six games, they look like the team. So, you know, it's going to be challenging like any big game is. Um, but you know, anytime we say it's a lock for the Rams, it was a lock for the Patriots when they were 17 and 0 going to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I just, I gotta, I'm with you. So look at that. We're going to be conjoined and rooting for the same team, but I'm, I'm going with the Joe, the Joe Burrow train. Come on Bengals and mattress Mac bet four and a half million dollars on the Bengals. So that's four and a half million reasons. Crazy. Well, he's crazy. I I love it. If I had that kind of money too, I'd be firing it around. But I mean, that's a, that's a bold strategy right there, kid. (laughs) Hopefully he didn't go money line with that bet. He actually gets the points. (laughs) right? You know, I don't know. So anyway, so I think the last topic for the day, uh, it's a pretty NFL heavy podcast is the uh, retirement of the goat. Uh, we throw around the word. Well, it's not a word. It's actually an acronym in this case, but we throw around goat all the time. Like Michael Jordan's a goat. LeBron James may be the goat someday. Um, Joe Montana was the goat until this, uh, till this, uh, little kid from, uh, yeah. San Mateo, California out of Michigan came down the uh, pike and now he's the goat. And, um, but I think he's the goat of goats. I mean, you know, we've talked about soccer and I, I just, I can't see people knocking him off the pedestal. And I realize, um, I realize that we we talked about this off air a little bit is that you know he's he's got it all he's married to a supermodel he's got you know the world is yeah, his he, oyster and he's done yeah, all this some of but, us look at it in the context of the last 10 years and you're going he wins every super bowl his wife right. is a supermodel she makes more money than he does he's yeah, taking pay right. cuts cuz you yeah, right. you know he kisses his kids so what he's in like yeah he says yeah. everything right we crush but people you forget where he came from that's right we crush people for being you know obviously like wife abusers, spousal abusers. We crush people for having uh, questionable moral ethics. That's the way to say it. Um, and then a, when we see a guy, sports? that's what? right. Huh? Huh? In real life too. What? Um, but we, we, we also, you know, we want to bring down the guy who did everything right. And I think it is, it's hard to believe that he did everything so squeaky clean and so right. And, you know, my favorite stories I hear about Tom Brady, Brian Greasy will say him on occasion, and you'll hear his Michigan teammates like, you know, how he shotgunned a couple of beers with them. And it's funny. It's just he's so far removed from the shotgunning beers guy. And maybe we all are. I mean, I, you know, I, not this guy. No, no. If, if you go to a, if you go to an Astros, <laughs> we just went to Vegas two months ago. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> we weren't. We weren't trying to hide from anything. But anyway, I, I, I do think it's you know he's so good and he's done everything so perfectly that yeah. you know now we're always looking to poke holes in it. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think he's the goat. I can put him as the goat of all goats. Seven world championships. We've done the stats before. Fifty-five Super Bowls. He's been to ten of them. So you're looking at almost twenty percent of all the Super Bowls. He went seven and three. So he was in the Super Bowl. He played what twenty-two seasons. He was in ten Super Bowls. So he went to the Super Bowl fifty percent of the time, like forty-eight percent of the time. Like it's really hard, you know. And I was impressed with LeBron James. Remember, he went to like ten straight finals with three different teams. I don't know. I mean, what 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 say you? I mean, is the goat of goats? Like, it's, it's going to be really hard to knock him off that pedestal. It is, and you know, we, we we talked about it before we got on air, and I was like, oh, Tom Brady retired, big deal, go away. So let's look, let some of these other kids take some of the thunder away from him. But at the same time, the more you dig on it, obviously the statistical numbers, and you're just talking about the Super Bowl. If you talked about how often he got in the playoffs, he was probably in the playoffs twenty out of those twenty two years. I don't know what the number is. No, it's great. But he he was constantly in the mix, and I think the difference, and maybe the reason that he is the goat of goats, if you're talking about what has happened on the 
field and the stats and the numbers. He, he's number one in everything. Uh, if you compare him to a guy in the NBA like a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe Bryant, in the NFL, you have 10 other teammates on the field with you at one time. In the NBA, you have four. So you have the opportunity, and we talked about this almost too much on this podcast, but if you want to hear it again, I believe in the NBA, you can be a, you can take over a game as an individual. You can, you can take over on defense, you can take over on offense, and, and, and will your team to win. Whereas I feel like even though you can will your team to win on the football field, you need to be in concert with those other 10 guys. You need your line protecting you. You need your re- receivers to understand where you're at. And you need your running back to to pick you up and to alleviate some of that pressure. So Tom Brady made everybody around him better. He turned, you know, think about the the Amendolas and and some of these smaller receivers Wes going Welker. This, even Edelman. Welker. He might have turned Edelman, Edelman into a Hall of Famer. Right. I mean, he turned guys, he his ability to turn guys, and again, it's Bill Belichick, the system, whatever you want to say it is, but he had the ability to make guys overachieve. And I think that's where the goat on the field kind of creates that idea. And then you get into the off the field stuff with the family, you know, the superstar wife. But I I talked about the fact that he took Antonio Brown into his into his house and said, Hey, let's let's find a way to get you back competitive. Granted, he went off the rails at the end. But twice he brought him in. Ocho Cinco, you know, Chad Johnson, he did the same thing, trying to bring these guys in and help them, you know, get back in the game and create opportunities for them to be great again. And that's where I kind of, uh, you know, give Tom Brady a little extra credit. And as much as I, I, you know, uh, maybe discounted what he did just because he did it so good for so long and you're just overwhelmed with greatness all the time that you're kind of like, good God, is this guy ever going to go away and give it to somebody else? There's a part of uh, Tom Brady's game that you are going to miss. And every quarterback that plays from, from 2022 on is going to be compared to Tom Brady and what he was able to do. So he is the bar. That's what makes him a goat. And uh, I don't I don't think the NFL is going to take a hit. I recently read an article that uh, said when Michael Jordan retired from the NBA, the, the ratings took a huge hit because he wasn't playing anymore. There was nothing to watch. I don't think that's going to happen with Tom Brady just because the talent has been so good. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert that you're talking about. Some of these guys, you know, Kyler Murray out there in Arizona, these are fun guys to watch. But that being said, they will always be compared to Tom Brady. So, right off into the sunset, yeah. you know, and and have a blast. I'm sure we haven't heard the the, the last of of Tom Brady, but uh, congrats on a great career. Very similar to Nolan Ryan, going 24 years in a game. I mean, oh, those nice. are numbers that will never be matched. We should talk about Nolan Ryan next time. I'd enjoy that conversation. So, Tom Brady, I didn't look at how many years he went to the playoffs, but with 35 playoff victories, I think he has more playoff wins than most franchises. Good lord! That was what he was. He was on the road to have more wins than most franchises have in the playoffs. Like, what the? Think about so, a lot of franchises. It's yeah. not just like one, like the Lions no. or the Bengals. No, I mean, no, that's, that's a right. lot of franchises. Yeah, a lot, right? He's so a that's franchising Im- himself. That's right. So that's super impressive. The other thing I want to say about Tom Brady is he played best when it mattered most, and I know yeah. not every player does that. You know, we talked about guys that hit three fifty throughout yeah. the year, but man, you know, they were down twenty one to three to the Rams or twenty seven to three, and all of a sudden now it's twenty seven twenty seven, and they're. I mean, you actually thought they were going to win that game. Um, you know, those snow games where, you know, they're down. <laughs> I mean, they would rattle him and they knew that the only way to beat Tom Brady is to rattle him and get on, get in, you know, his face and do all this stuff. And by the time it came down to the fourth quarter and you think you got to beat, it's 24 to 10, you know, you just got to kind of hold the line. He changes, you know, whatever he's doing. Now it's 24, 17. Now it's 24, 24. And you're like, how did he do it? He what, just what? kept, he just kept going. And there's so many sideline videos of him like rallying the troops and you know the let's go line and all that like let's you know let's pull our heads out and let's get it going so you know maybe he'd start the game slow or maybe yet you know a, a a rival coach would put a game plan in to stifle him and take away his strengths and you know five minutes left in the game tom brady found a way and i think that's really what sets him apart it's like they always ask who wants to take the last shot michael jordan you know mm-hmm. lebron early in his career like well he doesn't want to take the last shot it's like look he was taking the open shot 
but the best guys want the ball in their hands with the game on the line. But a lot of guys don't produce in that situation either. They produce 50% of the time. If you got two minutes on the clock and, you know, the world championship at, at, at bay, you know, that's the guy you want. And I think that's probably the biggest mark and the biggest legacy to Tom Brady is that, you know, he he had the will to win, but he, and, you know, he never said, I quit until the game was over. And then he was pretty respectful, you know. I mean, he had some crazy yeah. moments, but, you know, he's very respectful and sportsmanlike. And I think, like you said, he should ride off into the sunset. And I, I know he's not going to be like, calling games in the booth or anything like that. I don't think he needs the extra the extra <laughs> coin. But uh but anyway, yeah, right off into the sunset. Fantastic career like we're gonna do for this podcast. We're gonna ride off into the sunset. We came to the table with no with no outline and not a whole lot going on today. And we were able to uh to get the Bleacher Blums uh producer to uh have some work to do. So I'm excited about that. Folks, you can reach us at Real David Tuttle on Twitter and Instagram. Uh Blummer at Blummer27 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we always want to uh, give a shout out to um, not just producer Mark, but also the uh, the frontline healthcare workers, military first responders. My CrossFit class is still full of uh, police officers and firefighters, and uh, I get to work out with them most days. And uh, you know, great human beings uh, willing to uh, kind of get out there on the front lines and do things that we're not necessarily willing to do. Um, I listened to a great podcast this week. Uh, it was an old one, an old Rogan one with H.R. McMasters, who was a general of the Army. There are a lot of people that uh, sacrifice a lot for us to have Man, yeah. this democracy and freedom, and we appreciate you. So, uh, so again, uh, you're greatly appreciated. I always like to say, and it's important to me, but also important to you guys, that if you're over the age of 45, please get screened for colorectal cancer. And Blummer, coming to the table with nothing, we pulled this off. No, and, th- and that's the beauty of it. I-, I know that we are much like our fans who listen to the bleachers. I know that we are heavy on football these days. Trust me, we will get back to baseball when <laughs> baseball decides to get back to us. Ah. Don't lose faith. It's going to be there. It's just a matter of time and let these things iron themselves out. One thing that's never going to change is David Tuttle and myself coming to you every week on this podcast. We greatly appreciate everybody who helps us get on here, like Tuttle said. Uh, just a little extra shout out to those teachers and, and faculty members who, who actually do a very good job of keeping kids in school because one thing that maybe we – we don't talk about enough is mental health and uh, some of the frightening suicide rates out there. So I hope that everybody listening to this podcast understands that you have worth. We appreciate you. We always will. And if you need help, go get that help, find that help, because uh, these are some interesting times and we want you to hang around for some better times. So thank you for listening to Bleacher Blums. One thing we implore you to do at the end of every single podcast when you're hanging this far, not just to listen to the great little excerpt that uh, our producer, Mark Ramos, is going to put at the end of this thing. Uh, the rap is on the last podcast if you want to listen to it. It's hanging out there. It's uh, for the world to hear. Uh, I hope you appreciated that. But we always, always tell you, and we're not asking, we're not begging, we're telling you, get after it and believe it. the whole podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah this will be a reenactment yes (laughs) of the bleacher blums the green room is always better